0: In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and communities. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Autumn is here. It's chilly and the footy season has started today and it is also the day of march an important day of march medals and memories my name is akasha kamahula and you are listening to the diaspora podcast anzac day our australian commemoration evolving for more than a century is a very important day not just the settlers but also the migrants who have adapted to the new adopted country many indian origin australians women contributed in war as nurses midwives uniform makers chefs intelligence officers and so many other roles women played as brave mothers wives and family of the diggers today on the commemoration of anzac day memorial i'm delighted to have with me watts jaitley australian indian diaspora from victoria who has served the Defence Forces and shares his key insights on how joining the Army helped him get to know Australia better, emerging expansionism 2,000 kilometres away from Australia, the plague of post-traumatic stress disorder in war veterans and the armed forces, and what it means to him for the new leaders, good governance to protect our interests, both from a security perspective for the modernization in the defence sector, not limited to Arsenal only. What was the gap that emerged for us to overlook what was happening 2,000 kilometres away? How are we going to evolve? How are we going to protect our Australians? Many geopolitical analysts have analysed why the ANZAC legend is no longer enough for the 21st century. Why war remains not just thinkable, but nightmarishly doable, the potential of our Indo-Pacific region is real. With more than a third of Australia born overseas, the story of ANZAC may not be one all Australians can relate to. Australia needs a new national security ethos In the spirit of Australia, in the spirit of April 25, of wartime service, sacrifice, resourcefulness and that special camaraderie are mateship that Australia claims as its own values of duty, courage and selflessness in the national interest matter, all the more in an age of international disruption and danger. Today's security environment is confronting the prospect of military presence in the islands and waters where we and our American allies fought to stop the Imperial Japan, our big brother United States of America is still on our side. War remains inevitable. Invasion of self-ruled democracy of Taiwan is most feared. China's staggering expansion of military power over the past two decades, which continues despite a slowing economy, is alarming. Jinping's techno-totalitarian regime combining repressive one-party rule with overweening nationalism pushes up against Japan in East China Sea, India along a disputed border and much of Southeast Asia in the south china sea china has also manufactured islands and fortified them despite promises to the contrary this is indeed a reminder of how little were to place on assurance about its plans for the pacific this is reality it is still a reality for most australians including all our politicians barely countenance before further ado let's hear from what's stately now It's great to have you on the Diaspora podcast and nothing better
1: than being on Inzac Day. As a adopted son of this great land that we know as Australia, I am very much connected to the emotions that come with today.
0: So tell us about yourself and the pride that you have in you to celebrate Anzac Day as an ex-Australian Army serviceman.
1: Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, and especially the occasion of Anzac Day, which is one of the most important day within the Australian and New Zealand Army. So not just one nation, two nations come together and celebrate this day. More of a celebration as such, and morely it's about the remembrance of the people, we sacrificed their lives, gave the ultimate, ultimate sacrifice. And the result of that is today we are leading a life. What you and I enjoy the privilege of being in such a country. Now, furthermore, to your question, I do take a pride on being a part of a legacy that's been living out since the foundation of the Australian Army. My time in the Army, I do take a lot of pride being part of the so-called green machine. <laughs> If you, actually, if you actually ask any service person, uh, army, they refer to to as green machine and everybody takes a pride being part of that machine.
0: Why is it called the green machine, what? Uh,
1: I knew you were going to ask me that. Within, within the culture of Australian army, you do take a punt on each other and it's just a uh, laughing matter because uh, the uniforms are green in colour, hence why it's the green machine. When you march with your mates, it's a synchronised march and it looks like a perfectly oiled machine hence the term was born green machine
0: i'm already getting goosebumps as i'm speaking to you what's i mean mateship what better country can teach us all about that and that too from an army person my god can't wait so tell me what this whole experience has meant for you what what was the purpose that you joined the army and what have you learned from that experience
1: as you know i'm an immigrant so i migrated to australia back in 2007 and over the years 2014 um, i picked up a lot from uh, servicemen Uh, i've been fortunate enough to work with ex-servicemen as well Uh, one of my mentors who was a kuri fellow um, aboriginal um, he actually mentored me and guided me a lot in my life and also i learned Uh, good things from him just uh, from the Australian culture itself and also he planted the seed in a way and then as I grew uh, as a man from a teenage I decided you know what I am going to give it a crack I am gonna give it a good old go and uh, join the army so the motive behind joining the Australian reserves was I wanted to experience what he had talked about for so long I wanted to experience the mateship I wanted to become a better person, uh, more discipline. We all know, no matter where in the world you join the army, it's very, very disciplined. So I wanted to experience that. It had. I've always told younger people you should join army because it helps you becoming a better person. I know I'm emphasising a lot of becoming a better person because that's what army's done for me. Those things, speaking to people, having a mentor who was an ex-army person, that prompted me to join the army and also I wanted to become uh, more fitter in life and you know experience the adventures that army has to offer.
0: This is so enriching Vats it's it's really making me feel so proud that the diaspora is spreading its footprints all over Australia and the world and is not limiting to their own heritage So talking about your heritage and adapting to the new heritage, share with us, what did you learn about the world's oldest civilization? What did your mentor teach you? What inspired you? I want to know all that.
1: Indigenous culture or Kuri culture in itself, is so vast and it's so old. There are different tribes within the Kuri culture and they together, like a a melodious song, come together and then have one culture, which we now know as the indigenous culture. So if we want to go back, you know, as we all know, it's over 40,000 years old, one of the oldest living cultures in the world. And you and I have the golden opportunity to be a part of it and we have the elders of the land to teach both us and the world about their elders, their culture, and so much to learn about it. I've learned the basic essence, which is look after your fellow person. Look after your mate, even though the mate word is an English word, but, you know, the feeling behind it or uh, the Mateship behind it has no bound. There's no language. That you can describe you can mateship is exists in every language. And this is what primarily the Kuri culture teaches us. They teach us to respect each other, help each other, and be there for each other.
0: So how did the Kuri culture inspire you in leading in the army and adapt to the new way?
1: When I actually landed in in this beautiful beautiful country uh, there has been so many people who inspired me my mentor uh kenny was his name <laughs> um he taught me so much about uh the aboriginal culture there has been people um who've been teaching me step by step you know because as a young man I grew up in India, so I had those values. Becoming from a teenager to becoming a man, this is the journey that happened to me in Australia. So, we have learned so much from so many people. We are blessed in this country to have so many cultures living together. We are privileged to be in this country because we have one of the most, the oldest living culture. When I joined, Uh, the reserve forces i just wanted to give back to the community because this is the same community that has made my life and my family's life better i just wanted to be i think that that would sum it all up what i learned was the value of the land water and community. So those are, I wasn't fortunate enough to be a part of a bigger program when the bushfires happened two years ago. I was very happy to know there were people that I served with, they were on the front lines, and they were helping out. Those are the things, you know, I joined the force for.
0: This is a lifetime experience, Watts, and clearly the patriotism in you is ushering. So what is patriotism to you, in your own words?
1: Patriotism to everybody will be a bit different. There will be patriot people who would love just the the borders. There will be patriot people who would love the people. Um, And there will be some people who just have an idea of patronism uh, painted by someone else. For me, I wanted to be able to help out my fellow person. When I say fellow person, it doesn't mean if If you a particular race, a particular culture, no. If you stood up anywhere and you said, I was an Australian, I was an Aussie, I am there for you. That is the true meaning of modern-day patronism of Australia. Because we are so diverse, we have so many people of every single culture in the world living within, within harmony with each other.
0: So what are the biggest threats, according to you, from your time in the army to our national interests
1: during my time in reserves and as a civilian today when i look at the world the geopolitical scenario that's been playing out for the past few months and also some countries who are expanding around australia china that's according to me one of the biggest threats we have in today's world to australian defense or to australian security both uh, within defense, um, e- economy, social welfare, your internet welfare, everything. Uh, that's one of the biggest threats we we have today to our country. China has been playing the economy war. Uh, what they are doing is they are buying out these small countries. Biggest and the most recent example is Papua New Guinea. They're gonna have. They're not gonna have only a trading port. They're gonna have a navy defense port built right on our doorstep. They can conduct full Navy operations within few hours. <laughs> I know there is not an out-and-out out war, but according to me, somebody is preparing. We cannot, not in today's world, be all nonchalant about it and leave it up to someone else. We need to select leaders who are going to deal with this issue. Because you and I, as civilians, we don't have arms. All we have is our vote. And especially right now, when the elections are on top of us, right now is the time to go for the right leader. I'm not going to make that decision for you, but we all need to take a step back and think about it. Who is actually looking for our interests? Who is preparing our country to face something that might happen? And through your podcast, I hope people listen to this, people think about it, and, you know, the people, the decision-makers know that the civilians, you know, Australians are very laid back, very, very laid back. But when it comes to our security, when it comes to our children's security, mate, we don't hold back. And I hope the Australian public chooses the right leader this time. As an adopted son of this great land that we know as Australia. I am very much connected to the emotions that come with today. I'm not sure if your listeners know this, but around 15,000 soldiers of Indian heritage actually fought alongside the Anzacs. Um, Around 10,000 of them made it back. Um, A lot of them were wounded. But I'm not just connected being an Australian, but also connected today being an Indian. Uh, Unfortunately, those sacrifices of the soldiers of Indian background were really not um, known to common Indians. Until very recently, we we didn't even know about it. Nobody celebrated it or nobody gave them credit. Uh, But learning about all those things made me even more connected. So yeah, it is a very special day for me. As a civilian now, I could only think um, for modernization of our army... We need to actually strengthen uh, the people. When I say strengthen, they are all physically very capable. Uh, but mentally, uh, it's a known fact that a lot of service personnel are suffering from PTSD, which is a major, major issue and really needs to be looked at. Uh, people who are serving, people who are ex-army uh, personnel, they need our help. And as a society, I think we can, we need to do more. Um, So as far as the modernization is concerned, I reckon strengthening the service personnel, mental capacity is utmost important. And that's how, according to me, we'll have a stronger and much better army. Well, today, our local RSL actually holds a dawn service. So uh, we all went there. And now just a laid back day, uh, day off today. (laughs) So, but we are looking forward to... Uh, the Essendon and Collingwood footy match. So I am an Essendon supporter. Don't hold that against me. Definitely going to watch the game and, uh, um, you know, spend time with the family. I just want to give this message out through your podcast is that our leaders need to do better for our service personnel. Whether it be serving members or ex-army members, we need to look after them. These people chose to take their lives in their hands and actually protect us. So as a society and more so as a government. We need to do better for our army people. I really, really hope um, uh, people are inspired to join the ADF. Look, uh, you can either become a reservist like I was, or you can join full-time. All that information is actually available on the ADF recruitment website. Um, The process, as far as I know, goes, you apply, you attend what's called a U-session, you uh, get a panel interview, you get an aptitude test, you have a written test, and then you have a psych assessment and medical assessment. Once you clear all those, then you'll go to, um, you get your enrollment letter, and then you end up going to Kapuka, which will be, I think, every soldier remembers Kapuka. Um, My short stints in reserves, I have never forgotten a single day. Go to the ADF website, speak to the staff, very friendly staff and they'll help you.